Welcome back, everybody, to the All Access USL podcast. We are back on Easter Sunday. Hope everyone's Easter Sunday is going well if you celebrate. Um, if not, hope your Sunday is going well in general. We are back after not having an episode last weekend as well. And we are back with Noah from MBFC Discussion. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, feeling very good after after the three points yesterday. Yeah, big three points from Monterey Bay. Um, we are going to get to them in depth today, but we're setting up a new way of doing games because there's a lot of games um, every weekend, especially with the new coverage of USL League One on this podcast. So for USL League One, I will be doing two games in depth and then quick firing the rest of the games. And for USL Championship, I will be doing or we will be doing uh, three games in depth and then quick firing the rest purely because there's so much going on and we have uh not limited time but we have we do have things to do other than (laughs) it'll be a more efficient uh way of doing things uh so i think it's gonna work out talking about san antonio and sacramento's nil nil will be could be fun but you know i didn't particularly watch that game so there's not much to say there so our games for today i'll just lay them out and then we'll dive right into them um we've got Monterey Bay, New Mexico, Indy, Oakland. I was there. It was a rough one for Indy. And then um, we have, what other one did I say? I said San Diego, Tulsa. Yes. San Diego, Tulsa. Big implications for both teams, I feel there. But we'll jump right in to Monterey Bay, New Mexico. And it looked like a complete performance for Monterey Bay when we haven't seen that for the past, well, since that last 5-2 win. I will have to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're playing, you go up against two really good sides at home and it would be nice to at least get a result from one of those. Uh, I'll, I'll be at a draw at least. And I thought we definitely could have gotten a draw against um, both of those act, both of those teams, actually um, San Antonio, especially um, we just give up a wonder goal in, in the, in the 83rd. Um, and we kind of, we almost found ourselves an attack, but it was another, it, it's Jordan Farr being Jordan Farr and making a big save. And then, you know, um, just the defense not being as attentive in some certain situations as it should have been. And then of course, Louisville being Louisville and doing what they do best, defending, getting the goal and coming out with three points on the road. Those are tough teams to go against. So to now get the three points at home, um, it wasn't our best game defensively by any means, but we we can't. Herrera made a big stop uh, on in goal, and although he spilled the other one, which he'll he'll say he should have caught that. I know yeah. I know he caught that for sure, um, but also someone has to be there to clean that up. I think, but it is what it is. I guess. You concede, but then uh, lightning quick counterattack, and then, of course, uh, a, a great distribution from Herrera, yeah, great foot on, and Sam is just, he's so clinical, um, and he's so versatile. He can play anywhere. We saw he moved to left back against RGV. Um, he could also play right back if he really wanted to. He could play as a striker if he wanted to because he's clinical. Um, he can play out wide. He's just so good. And then Valeski is in 
great form right now. Yeah. Uh, scored at the Open Cup uh, during the week, and he is he's something else right now. <laughs> so look out for him. Do you think it's something – because Monterey Bay in the past couple of weeks – I feel like have tried to settle down and control the games more, not let it be so open after the Hartford win, because, you know, scoring five is fun, but conceding three week in week out is not awesome, but they come up against New Mexico and they have that sort of same game plan and they come out with their second one of the year. Whereas when they've tried to be cool and calculated, they've been drawing games. They've been losing by one or two goals. Do you think going forward, it's worth it to just play all out? and get those four goals when still putting together not necessarily the best defensive performance because it's winning games. Yeah. So. I mean, when you when you look at it last year, we were a team that was heavily reliant on defending and then countering and getting a goal late in the second half or something like that. Um, perfect game would be El Paso where – we we had like 33% of the possession, right? And it's tied nil-nil, and then Rebelar goes and wins it in the 87th minute. That's kind of what it was last year. Um, and then, like, you know, we score five against Indy, but that was kind of a one-off, if you ask me. Um, but I think I think uh, we, we certainly have the goals in the lineup to play that style. And on the break – we are especially uh, – we're really efficient on the break, on the counterattacks. And so because of that, this style, even if you let in one goal, which we're getting better at, we're, we're getting there. Um, and I don't think it's any fault of Siaha's no. uh, that he got taken out. As Frank said, he was just trying to ride some momentum from the Open Cup match. Um, but – really uh playing out of the back but also playing a counterattacking style he likes to mix it up frank does so it uh it all depends on the team we're playing of course um and playing against new mexico really permitted that tonight i think yeah and they do play out of a three back uh particularly which makes it easy for the break because usually at a three back you push high and this is also I think fortunate because this was New Mexico's second game of the season and Monterey Bay are already on to their fourth, fifth game of the year, including the open cup. So New Mexico may be a bit hard done, but I mean, that's just what you have to deal with um, because sometimes it's stadium issues. Sometimes it's just scheduling problems. So adversity not, happens. Not to mention New Mexico was missing Portillo, which was yeah. a big loss and Nava. I really yeah. like him. He's obviously out with an ACL. But guys have to step up, and, you know, that didn't happen for them. Yeah, so Monterey Bay, big win against New Mexico. Uh, we'll move on to Indy-Oakland. I was at this game courtesy of the Indy 11. It was fantastic to be there, but not a fantastic night for Indy 11. I'll, put, I'll throw up two stats for you for this game just to show one stat continues on, one stat blown out of the water. Before this game, Indy had only scored twice in their three games. Uh, they had previously drawn nil-nil to the Las Vegas Lights beforehand. They beat Detroit City FC in Detroit 1-0. And they drew one all thanks to a last, last gasp goal against Tampa Bay. And they had only conceded once against or when they went headed to Tampa Bay uh, on the opening day of the season. However, they conceded three to Oakland 
And I have to say, Edel was probably at fault for at least two of the three goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we were watching the that game in in the beer garden at at the stadium, and also there were a couple of uh, Oakland Roots fans that were down there with us as well. So they were they were pretty ecstatic. But yeah, I don't. Oh he has to. If you're gonna commit as a keeper and come off your line, you've got to get that ball. Yeah. Um, and you know, for for uh for Mafeka, great finish. Uh, yeah. Great, great little flick on into his own path and finishes it nicely. Um, and then yeah, Odell just didn't make the best decisions. And he's a good goalkeeper, but of course sometimes he just had those games, and it happens. It's it's rough because Lindo Mafeka is definitely on the short side. And he beats Edel to the header there. Or just to the challenge in general. And I, f- I find that pretty disheartening. Because Edel, Edel comes out only twice during the game to claim. And he gets beat both times. The second time, he was a bit more reserved. He still gets chipped. Because he second guesses himself. If he doesn't second guess himself on that second opportunity he might get there but he second guesses himself and he just slows down and then he's beat again and then the second goal of the game which Darius Formella scores I mean that is just poor distribution out of the back yeah it's it's really it was really bad I mean (laughs) indie indie players straight up passed it right to the again yeah passed it right to Mefeka and Good, good finish from Formella, but that should never, never happen um, out of the back from your center backs. Absolutely. And I think we're getting into that discussion I talked about where Indy, I feel like, are following the same blueprint that Phoenix followed last year, which is just, can we get the best players? Which, I mean, in a... um league like the usl championship that's usually how it's gonna go because there is a big um like quality difference for some teams that's for sure so going after the best players makes sense a lot of the time but some of these players just do not fit what indy want and what they need like the long ball that they like the long ball tactical like way that they play i should say of just spraying it up front and hoping someone gets onto it. Gwenzadi, Asante. Asante did play that like that at Phoenix for a while, but I don't really think he's necessarily that player. He is a creator through and through. He is fantastic. He can latch onto those balls, but that's not what he ideally does. I think that they're hard doing their offense more so than anything because defensively they were fine before this game, and it's just a lot of lapses in judgment that cost you, which happens. But they have not been able to find that connection from defense to offense uh, or just defense to midfield that's meaningful. Like, their midfield might as well not be there. Aiden Quinn, Cam Lindley, you know, Iose, all of them might as well just not be there at this point. They might as well just play eight defenders and two strikers because the midfield has been useless. Yeah, you know, I think you really have to try and strike a balance as a team in terms of playing out of the back in knowing when to put that long ball forward. Um, and it's kind of a, 
it's it's the same thing I've said sometimes to our fans, and it's like it's great that we are playing out wide. I like that. That's good because then we can make crosses in century, and Maury and Grant are great at putting those crosses in, right? Because we have good targets. Yeah. But I would like to sometimes see more direct play uh, right down the middle um, because especially in situations where we need a goal to equalize. Um, and so it's kind of the same thing for Indy. You can't just bomb it forwards all the time and hope somebody and hope somebody latches onto it because most of the time that's just not going to be the case. No matter how good of a distributor your keeper is or how good of a distributor your back line is, it just almost all the time it's 50 50 that right. it gets complete i mean budati dispay their whole back line it's a capable back line it's really not their fault two of the goals and still they're putting on this just like baseless performance where it seems like their whole plan was just not to lose and they did they got destroyed Plain and simple. And I feel like I catch a lot of teams doing this. I feel like Indy, um, at points last night, looked very just, like, compact in the midfield. Like, they're, I don't know. It was like everyone just decided to gather around the midfield line. And I feel like – I don't know where I'm really going with this. I just feel like Indy are not even close to where they want to be. There's a lot to work out there. Um, and I don't necessarily know how it gets fixed because I feel like they're in the same position as – Phoenix last year, I there's so many comparisons to be drawn there because they have the players on paper paper that should work. And it's not. And like, what do you fix about it? Because it's so hard going from this bomb it forward type of mentality or just long ball to like, can we get comprehensive? Can we start playing out of the back? Can we paint those passes around in midfield and break it down or break down the other team and actually build something? So I feel like Indy are a long ways away from being maybe not necessarily good because you will they will they will have games where they're just able to find those balls all the time. But I feel like they're a long ways away of having an identity that's meaningful and can win them games consistently. Yeah. And you know, at times they look at they look like the best team in the league, and sometimes they look like the worst team in the league. And this was a game where they looked like the worst team in the league both offensively and defensively. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it's going to get better next weekend. I unfortunately. Yeah. So they they had their opportunity when they played Las Vegas to put on a show and they didn't. So, it's forever and always Las Vegas will lose by 5. Yeah. No matter who they play. So, Indy, unfortunately, I was they I was so happy to be there, but unfortunately they did not put together a good performance whatsoever oakland you know for how much we've harped on you good for you that might be your best performance of the season might not be we'll see yeah, how it goes big big three points away from home for them that's uh, true they, they definitely needed that um and sometimes the the cup games against the lower side will help you with with offense but yeah. it was really two gifts of a goal uh for certain but either way, uh, their defense held up too. Yeah, that is for sure. We'll move on to our last in-depth game for this episode. It's San Diego, Tulsa. San Diego 
on a run, get goals from Adams and Conway. Conway looking good, looking like that goal scorer we want him to be. Tulsa, however, still just the one win on the season, and they fall to San Diego. Not looking too great. I had faith in Blair Gavin, and I thought Tulsa would do well, but it seems like it's taking a bit longer for them to find that mentality. And it's not a horrible performance from Tulsa by no. any means. Uh, oh, you, you'll take a 1-1 draw on the road. And it's just, it's a really unfortunate own goal in, in the 94th minute. And, you know, own goals happen, of course. But for it to happen in that circumstance is really unfortunate. And Tulsa will definitely be kicking themselves in saying, how did we not come away with a point from this game? considering you're tied one to one on the road in that situation. Yeah. And I I'm looking at the standings right now and Tulsa are fourth in the East with one win. And I think that's just a testament to how either just not great most of the teams are or the I don't think it's that. I think they're like all the teams are good. But I think the parity right now is just insane like louisville this team that we consistently um you know talk about as being the best team in the league lose five nil to sacramento where did that come from tulsa with one win two draws and three losses currently sit fourth in the east they played six games they've dropped 12 points so far and they're still fourth yeah i mean that's remarkable I mean, and this is this is the USL. Like it, it's mayhem. It's mayhem day in and day out. Um, and if you lose games, especially early on, early on, you don't want to be playing catch up. You just don't. It's it's not it's not not a good feeling. Nor is it sustainable, especially in this league in this situation. Um, and you don't want to be in that place where you're fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the season. No, absolutely not. So it will be it'll be interesting to see how Tulsa can build because like real because like obviously they need to play better with only one win and six. But like, do they do they actually need to get exponentially better? Because I mean, if we're going based off of like theoreticals, all the teams will continue the same trends and Tulsa could finish fourth with 11 wins which yep. would be probably the lowest fourth, like the lowest amount of points for a fourth place finish in USL championship history and in the future. So Tulsa do need to fix things, but do they? Yeah. Coming and coming in, of course, to the season, we said the East is going to be more competitive now that the twos are out, of course, but we did not say that the win totals would increase. Right. Um, so that really uh is out the window of course and it's going to be a matter of points and uh who has more and potentially even goal differential if there's a tie yeah and then we'll shift from Tulsa to San Diego San Diego are looking like the San Diego team we've seen I of just the past I mean that is now uh let me get it here three wins one loss 
one draw on the season, 10 points. They're third in the East. They are looking as good as ever. It's really something. And it's great to see that despite losing Kyle Vassal, who was a great goal scorer last year, and um, among, they have Evan Conway, who is now putting up numbers. He gets the goal here. He gets the game-winning goal. He seems like someone to count on. And I like that they have this. It's also like Conway is good. And I like that we kind of see this bridge from good young players from USL League One now finding a path to the USL Championship as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's he's a really good number nine. Uh, really good in the box. Really good at making himself big and uh, a good target. Um, and, of course, he, he wasn't the one who took the penalty. But... He could all he could also have t- probably taken that penalty. And I think if he takes that penalty, he probably slots it home. Oh yeah. Guessing. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Normally, normally the player who wins the penalty takes the penalty. But either way, he's still a fantastic player up front for San Diego Loyal. Um, and then of course you have a guy like Damas as oh, well, yeah. which from Sweden, or also former Orange County player. Uh, and that is just that's just stacks, stacks to tack right there. I know. Conway's finding that confidence battle. I believe, I mean, I, there were people saying last year that, like, he wasn't that great. It was, his, I think last year was his first USL championship season, maybe his second. He put away nine goals last year, if I'm remembering correctly, which is still good output when being behind Among, Moshabani, and Kyle Vassell. I mean... I'm he wasn't necessarily the pure number nine last year. He was more of a wide midfielder winger, and he still put up nine goals because Vassell was that number one striker that they had. And the fact that now he's being shifted into this nine role and he's putting up numbers already, I think San Diego are in good hands. Because maybe, you know, I don't know if Conway will be that type of player because he's still he has, you know, he's like pretty old-ish to be considered like he's a he's a great talent. But I think he's a bit past the point where it's like he still has so much time to grow. So I think he could be a legendary San Diego player if he does stay. But I do see a world where he makes a move to MLS and becomes a good striker for an MLS team. He could follow that. Um, oh, who am I thinking of? Tyler Freeman type way. Yeah. I think to a Nashville type, you know, that domestic club that loves their domestic players although Tyler Freeman is also like four years younger that's besides the point Conway is good and he definitely has a path with San Diego and out of San Diego definitely definitely so that's our three games we'll quick fire the rest before we head into our break um which one should we start with first let's take yeah we can start with Charleston Hartford um I think Hartford do well here to get a draw. I do. I think this is the, not necessarily turning point, but coming back like that um, and having not won this year yet, this is a big result. Well, they they lost 3-2 actually, I believe. Did they? they lose 3-2? I don't believe so. Let's see. They drew 2 all. They did? Yeah. Oh, they did lose 3-2. I did not see that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, News to me. 
yes, uh, Arturo Rodriguez winner in the 94th minute. So it's it's going bad to worse for Hartford, really. Um, they they need for for how good they looked in the open cup match on Wednesday. That is against a well, I'd say a amateurish team. Um, it is an amateur three, team. Oh, yeah, you you score three goals, great. But then you go up against an elite club in Charleston Battery, who are miles improved this year, um, both at the back, at coach, um, in attack. Uh, not not the attack, not that attack, not the not that the attack was bad, but it's improved. Yeah, because Bahamas is there, Marcanic is there. Like, it's it's definitely a heartbreaking loss for them, um, and. Yeah, I I really have no words. Yeah, I'm I'm actually so I I know when I looked last night because I was looking last night to catch up on the scores and all that for today. I swear I saw full time two all, and ah, oh, that is that's unbelievable. Hartford, you have a lot on your plate. Um, I don't have too much to say about this game. I mean, it feels pretty. Along the script of Charleston are good this year. We knew that they were going to be good. They brought a lot over, uh, a lot of the baggage over from Memphis, and it's working. And Hartford have not been able to find. They've been able to score goals, but defensively they've been shocking. And forgive me for any, um, you know, optimism I gave Hartford fans for that defense. It is not good right now. So I am sorry about that. Hartford have a lot to work on. Charleston do well. Um, let's talk about Louisville, Detroit, a big win for Louisville, uh, coming off of two losses, um, to Sacramento and El Paso, eight goals conceded, zero scored. They get the goal here against Detroit and it's Wilson Harris again. That is big stuff from him. Yeah. Uh, who else? Of course, cause, uh, I mean, I guess Cameron Lancaster, but, um, yeah, a big win to kind of get them back on track. Um, especially they still after sit second in the East. They still it's they crazy. still sit second in the East. Uh after uh after you know the insane performance from El Paso against them and then the walloping of five nil to the hands of Sacramento. That is a, that's the score of eight nothing aggregate in two yeah. games. And then you go out and win against Detroit, and you again, you still sit second in the East. Um, I think that's just a testament to how tough that team is, both mentally, um, and yeah, it's a it's a really big win for them to kind of keep them afloat at the top there of the East. Yeah, I just and it's not like obviously they played bad, but it's not like we saw a bad team there. It was just a team caught likely in transition after you know two. Games in California to start against Orange County and then Monterey Bay. They come home for um, a couple games. Then they lose to El Paso. And then they head back out to California for Sacramento. Then they play Lexington in the Open Cup. And they play Detroit here. It's a lot of games. Um, and even the best teams in this league will be caught out sometimes. There are a lot of games to be played. And the travel for these USL championship teams is 
not as luxurious as it might be for an MLS team per se. So it's going to be a lot harder to deal with that travel. Um, even, like it said, even if you are supposedly the best. So I think we just saw that from Louisville. They are a good team. They will continue to be a good team this year. Uh, Detroit, on the other hand, another game without a goal. I'm not concerned about their goal scoring ability now. I'm just concerned about their ability to be good necessarily because the roster does not put a lot of faith in me that it can win games. There's not a game winner on that team. Maxi Rodriguez is there, but he's that's iffy. Yeah. Um, in terms of consistency, I don't associate them with being the most consistent. Um, and in terms of winning games, they, uh, they don't – not that they don't score goals. They still score goals, but they just don't – they don't – as you said, they don't have that guy, that X factor that can, like, come off the bench and score that, you know, that that goal that you need, that wonder goal to try and get you going um, in a match where it's 1-0, you're down 1-0 in the 70th minute. They just don't have that guy. Yeah. Uh, so – it's just kind of the same old, same old. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay to Miami at nil. Felix Schroeder with his first goal for Tampa Bay. This will be a way off Tampa's shoulders for sure. Um, I do believe they have won this season beforehand, if I am thinking correctly. Uh, never mind. That is their first win of the season. So yeah. big weight off their shoulders, especially against their rivals. Yep. Um, you know, of course, it's always nice to get a win in a derby, of course. Yep. And uh, for for them to get a win here, though, against Miami, hopefully uh, kickstarts their season and really propels them forward in the in the coming weeks. And I believe is I believe that's Caleb Jennings first goal. Yeah, that is that is Cal Jennings first goal of the year as well. So Tampa Bay looking good. Miami, not so much. They are still winless. They sit 10th in the East. Um, I ha- I was high on them. It seems that I was a bit foolish to think that. I was a bit foolish to think that Hartford were going to be good, apparently, as well. Yeah. So, a lot of notes to take on that. Miami has quality players, but at the end of the day, um, just, I don't know. If, I mean, there's a low, of course, but not enough of a physical presence in midfield. And then at the back, just a little bit questionable. And I do really like Zendayas, but there's not much you can do. Um, Zendayas is good. He puts in shifts. He just gets really unfortunate that the defense in front of him doesn't really help much. Mm-hmm. So let's fly through these next four. Um, Colorado Springs won. Pittsburgh nil. Mario Williams gets his goal. Colorado Springs another win. That's big for them in that fight for the West. They currently sit fourth. There, so looking good, Stephen Hogan looking good taking over for Brendan Burke as well. What do you think? Um, I think big, big, big win for for Colorado. They definitely needed that, and they are looking very dangerous in attack, and pretty solid on the defensive end. Yep. Um, El Paso won Orange County nil. El Paso now with their second win of the season after a dire start. I'm getting. 
2022 vibes where we saw them start horrifically. Um, and then they pick it up, you know. I have a feeling we might have, you know, the script is going to follow the same thing. And they're going to be bad in two months. Unfortunately. But enjoy it while you can. Maybe. I'm cautiously optimistic that they can keep it up. No, definitely. It It's like, you look at the way they start. It was just horrific. Mistakes at the back. Inability to score. Um, just lapses in key moments, especially on the Duke-Lufois goal uh, against Colorado. And they have, they've come out and they've been really clinical in scoring goals. Um, Yuma has been great. Um, Kostishin has been great. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lucho does Lucho things, of course. Uh, so they, they are, they're rolling along. Which is good. The train is coming down the tracks. Yep. And then Orange County, it's the same old story for Orange County from last year. I felt they had a more comprehensive offseason this year and did more about their issues, but it doesn't seem to be working. That's two draws. uh, No, two losses and three draws in five games. They're three points out of the playoffs, but they do have um one more game played than RGV in eighth. So bit worrying there for Orange County despite even the good pickup of Cody Cropper he hasn't been able to help them much either yep um it's just again you have a great player in Olofsky and you just can't they haven't managed to surround him with the talent that's needed to to win big games and you really need to beat a team like El Paso to really show that you are for real yeah uh, and at the forefront of the Western Conference. Absolutely. Uh, Sacramento nil, San Antonio nil. This felt like a battle of two top teams who respected each other and maybe a bit too much respect. Uh, a bit toothless when you would expect these two teams. I mean, we've seen Sacramento put up goals this year. San Antonio, uh, pretty known for that low block. It shines through. They don't allow any goals, but they're not able to break through that Sacramento back line and midfield either. Uh, but they both stay atop of that Western conference. So big stuff for them. Yeah. Um, you know, 15 shots for either side, uh, three shots on goal for San Antonio, two shots on goal for Sacramento. Um, yeah. Kind of, as you mentioned, the respect aspect of it, uh, no team really wanting to give it an inch uh, because they know how good uh, either team is. And at the back, just really, really good, really solid, really sound. Um, and it was on full display tonight. Yep, that is for sure. And we'll move into our last game, which just concluded tonight. Uh, Phoenix take down Birmingham for their first win of the season. That is big stuff. They move up to ninth in the West, but there's still a lot of work to do if they want to be the Phoenix of old. Yeah. And as we mentioned, uh, you know, great team on paper, uh, a lot of money in that team. Absolutely. But to come together. And this was a massive, massive game in a big step forward in that aspect. Um, so Trejo, he gets his goal and Harvey gets the, gets the winner. 
and especially after uh, Alves equalized a minute after Trejo scored. So really, really big in that aspect for for a rising, and we have them. We have them next week, so it's going to be a good match. Yeah, it, it's the first time I feel like this year that Phoenix have been able to fight through that adversity that last year they didn't really get through, and this year they've struggled for. But it feels like Phoenix do have some direction under Juan Guerra, and this is a key win if they do want to build something this year. And I feel like this team really came together. I mean, Carlos Harvey from midfield, You, uh, I mean, goals from anywhere are good, but they're going to need more output from that front line as well. I mean, you've got Arteaga, Cuello, Gallardo, all capable forwards. You're going to need goals for them um, if you do want to compete, but it's a good win against a very good Birmingham team, still top of the East. So really resounding for Phoenix. Absolutely. So we're going to head to our break. This is actually going to be it for Noah for today's episode. So thank you so much for coming on anytime and uh have fun with the with the usl league one stuff and uh yeah be back next time yep he'll be back next week and after the break we'll be heading for the first time into usl league one territory excited for that and we'll see you in a minute all right and we are back from that little break to start our usl league one coverage and what better way to start with a nil-nil draw? Uh, Lexington draw a nil-nil at home to forward Madison. Lexington playing out of that 4-4-2 that you would most likely expect um, from an expansion side. And forward Madison playing out of that 3-5-2. Um, I feel like there's not really much to say here. I mean, both sides play pretty well defensively. Lexington keep around 41% of the possession. Not what you'd expect from a team playing out of a 4-4-2. 4-4-2s, I feel like, mainly keep, or for the most part, um, keep even with the possession or have a, mo- a majority of the possession, especially with four Madison playing at a 3-5-2. They keep that 58.5% possession, controlling the game, for the most part, uh, 16 shots for Ford Madison. Uh, most, n- not really much for both teams going forward. Good amount of shots for both teams going forward. Not a lot on target. Um, it is a pretty bog standard game. Uh, Lexington not able to score this time around, unfortunately. Um, both teams looking to pretty much do better. Uh, Lexington will be hosting the South Georgia Tormenta next up um, on next Saturday. Whilst Ford Madison will be hosting the Greenville Triumph, currently bottom of USL League One. So a lot to look into there, that is for sure. But a pretty, pretty standard nil-nil draw. Feel like Lexington might have a good amount of those in them this season, unfortunately. So we will then jump around to um, North Carolina FC versus Charlotte Independence. This is a, it's always going to be a big game, especially with North Carolina FC and Charlotte being 
probably the closest rivals in USL League One, seeing as they both have that continued rivalry coming down from when they were in the USL Championship. And they, I mean, Charlotte Independents have Dane Kelly, who is an immediate um, game changer in that forward role. That is a given. Um, but, and he, he scores here for Charlotte. Uh, Anderson scores here for North Carolina. Um, I'm trying to think of what I want to get at. Charlotte Independent, I mean, Charlotte are a good team. North Carolina FC are a good team. Charlotte currently top the USL League One table. North Carolina FC fifth. This is a big, big game. Um, so to see the draw here, not particularly, um, surprising, I'd say, because I think it follows that same thing of they respect each other as rivals. And I think they're a bit timid to lose the first game of the season, uh, against each other. But I mean, both two quality teams, um, able to break each other down. And we see that here. Um, but it's a draw here, and I think both teams will take that, to be completely honest. So, good stuff there from North Carolina FC and the Charlotte Independents. Um, we will move to Chattanooga versus one Knoxville, and we'll go a bit farther here. Um, one Knoxville, to be completely honest, in their beginning season, have been pretty impressive. Uh, they win their first game against Lexington. Uh, Lexington have played three times now and are yet to put up uh, a win. So, I mean, Knoxville are already doing better in that department. They're still outside of the playoff spots. But, you know, we could see them grow into this year. They face a decent Chattanooga Red Wolves team who currently sits sixth um, in the standings. So, I mean, nothing to be too ashamed about here. It's their second ever professional game. Uh, Ilya Illich, however, gets that penalty goal big. He is a big player. He is going to be a big player for them continuously. And they keep a lot of that possession as well. That We know what this Knoxville team is going to be, especially with a 4-4-1-1, which is a very defensive-based formation. And these defensive and just basic formations for... Um, expansion teams make sense because they want to find that cohesion first before they start doing something completely different and starting to be a lot more forward and pressing or whatever they want to be. So defensive for Knoxville does not surprise me whatsoever. Chattanooga playing out of that 4-4-2. They are a team that will let the other team have the ball and it works. Paoli and Varela get the game winners. Chattanooga now with their first win on the season, uh, pushes them up to six, which is big stuff. Um, so I'm sure Chattanooga will be delighted with that. Knoxville next will be heading, hosting CV Fuego on this upcoming Wednesday. That will be a massive game, seeing as CV Fuego fell to Union Omaha. Um... Up next for Chattanooga, they do not have a game until April 21st when they will be traveling to North Carolina FC. That will be an interesting game uh, for North Carolina FC. 
seeing as, uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say, North Carolina have won a game this year. So, uh, Knoxville, uh, we'll talk a bit more. Uh, Sean Lewis, who I have consistently talked about as someone I really like, continues to shine despite the loss. I mean, there's just a lot to like here from both teams, um, even though one Knoxville do lose here. Uh, we'll move on. We've only got two more games left. That's the crazy thing about um, USL League One. Very minimal games on the weekend because there's very minimal teams. Uh, South Georgia Tormenta do get that 2-0 win here against the Greenville Triumph. Thanks to Francesca and Curry. Uh, Tormenta playing well. Um, and Greenville Triumph winless into. There still is a lot of time for teams to grow into this season, but that's a bit concerning for the Greenville Triumph. That is for sure. Really like how Bush played in goal for Georgia or for South of Georgia Tormenta. Um, a lot to be yearning for, for the Greenville Triumph. That is for sure. Um, not much to say here other than that. The big game I want to talk about is Union Omaha versus um, CV Fuego, because I felt like this was a very telling game. Union Omaha come away 2-0 winners here. Um, Steven DeSantos gets a goal. Meza gets a goal as well. This is Steven DeSantos' first goal of the season, which is remarkable. No, Mesa's first goal of the season. And they down CV Fuego, who did win their opening game of the season and now currently sit ninth. There's so much room for change in the table. And some teams have played twice. Charlotte and uh, Tormenta have played four times. There's still a lot of time to catch up for these teams. Rashid Nuhu in goal for Union Omaha comes up. Clutch again, very good. Uh, CV Fuego, after having a decent season last year, not starting off too hot, but again, every opportunity to improve. Um, that kind of covers USL League One. No, it's a bit quick, but it's always going to be a bit quick as I try to figure out what I want to talk about for these teams. I do need to catch up on watching USL League One and getting more into it. Um, but it's nice to finally have it here. And next weekend, uh, will definitely be a bit more comprehensive for League One. But I do think Union Omaha, in particular, are my team of the week. I think I'll start doing a team of the week and a player of the week for USL Championship and USL League One. So Union Omaha, team of the week, I think. And I think No Mates Up from Union Omaha gets my player of the week. Very good in attack. Very good stuff to get his first goal of the year as well. Fantastic work. I'm trying to think of my... I mean, I think in terms of performance, I think there's two teams in the USL Championship that get close. I think Phoenix are there because they get their first win against a good Birmingham team. And I think Oakland are there because they put together probably the most comprehensive uh Performance of the weekend. Very, very good stuff from them, um, to say the least. And I, I think Lindo Mafeka would probably be 
my player of the week purely because of his goal and his just overall contribution to how Oakland played. He was fantastic there. I know there's other players, but Lindo Mefeka comes to mind with just how adamant he was to be crucial during that game. And I was there. I was able to see it in person. It was fantastic to see Lindo Mefeka play well for Oakland um, in that game. So that is going to be it for today's episode. Like I said, uh, next weekend, the USL League One com- uh, coverage will be a lot more comprehensive. I'm starting to get into more of a good flow of creating good scheduling for these episodes. Um, so next weekend, I'm trying to put into place a more like cohesive schedule and prompts of everything that I want to talk about. So it's more clear cut, just comes across smoother. So excited for that. Big games this week and next weekend exciting times now that usl league one is on this podcast as well so thank you guys for listening to today's episode and i will see you guys next weekend for continued coverage